Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. American hero or gross villain? That's what took place last night at a baseball game involving a New York Yankees fan. An act deemed by some to be awesome. To be deemed by others as absolutely gross. Hashtag hot dog straw. That's right. A man at a ball game opted to take the hot dog out of the bun, took his straw that he had on him, shoved the straw through the hot dog, turning said hot dog into a meat straw, and then took said meat straw and put it into his plastic cup of beer. And then proceeded to drink said beer through said meat straw. Yummy. Good morning, <laughs> producer extraordinaire. Hannah Five Names is going to throw up in the studio this morning. The face she's making is priceless. We're going to talk a lot about hashtag hot dog straw. On today's edition of RP3 and Company. Typically, we don't talk about food until Wednesday because that's when our foodie poll question of the week occurs. But I couldn't help myself. When I saw this, I was like, say what? I shared it on a group thread of friends of mine. And (laughs) we're supposed to get together sometime this week because one of my buddies is in town from Indiana. And he's like, I'll give anybody 20 bucks if they do this when we meet together for dinner. (laughs) Now, from what I can tell in said video of the hot dog straw is that it is, in fact, a cooked hot dog at a game. This gentleman takes an actual straw he's doing this while sitting in his seat by the way and someone has just decided to film him he takes his straw stabs his hot dog makes a hole in the hot dog once again before he does that he he makes sure to to suck out some of the meat out of the straw And then just puts it right into the glass of beer and goes to town while rocking his Yankees hat. This man. And he's wearing a plaid Yankees hat at that. 
Yankee fans, things have been going really well for you guys of late. I'm sure this is a proud moment. <laughs> the meat straw. Hashtag hot dog straw. Whew. Would you do this? If you're out there listening right now, and I am hope you're being careful, severe thunderstorms are going through the area as we speak. So, so this morning, during your morning commute to work and school, make sure you're safe out there, right? Avoid areas that are low, that could possibly flood. Avoid any high water. Take it slow. Be careful. Okay? That's what you need to do. But if you're out there listening, is hashtag hot dog straw. How do you feel about this? Would you do this? This feels like something I would possibly do in my younger years as a dare from my fellas. Like, had too many beers, having too good of a time at the ballpark, which has happened once or twice. And then just saying, screw it, I'm making my hot dog a straw. Dude, I'll dare you $10 to take your hot dog and make it a straw for your beer. That seems like something I would have done in my early 20s, hanging out with the boys, having too much to drink. That's one thing. It's an entirely different thing for this gentleman who appears to be sitting in his seat alone, like as if he's not with somebody. He's on the aisle this isn't somebody being dared. It doesn't appear to be. This isn't someone being pressured by their fellow bros to do something moronic. This is a gentleman who made a conscious decision to buy himself a hot dog. Who, by the way, who doesn't love eating a hot dog at the ballpark? I had a hot dog and a pole of sausage when I saw the White Sox-Astros game last week. So I can respect the fact that you wanted to get yourself a dog. But my man said, no, no, I need myself. I need the vessel. First of all, he's drinking beer through a straw. That's weird enough. That's weird enough. But then he's like, I want the vessel that's going to deliver the ice cold draft beer into my mouth. I want that vessel to be a hot dog. Just, what? What is going on in this video? Oh, oh, man. I don't think I could do it, man. I don't think I could do it. Not now. I'm going to be 44 years old in a few weeks. A glorious 44 years old. 20 years ago? 25 years ago? 25 years ago for sure. 20 years ago, probably still for sure. I'd be down with the hot dog straw, but not now. I got a family. I can't be doing that kind of ridiculous stuff. But once again, my man is not being ridiculous. My, my man's actually thinking that this is a good idea. <laughs> and just nonchalantly. And I have questions. For the video, did someone see him do this already once and was so 
amazed that this guy did that, that they pulled out their phone to catch him do it a second time? Because it feels that way, right? It just feels that way. We all have our phones on us at ball games, but it feels like somebody goes, oh, he's doing it again. He's doing it again. Get your phone out. Record. And he's, he's enjoying that beer, too, with the hot dog. Look at him. My man's just going at it. He's like, what's up? Hot dog wiener straw for my ice cold beer. That leads us to our poll question of the day. And we're going to ask plenty of our guests about this, too. You can bank on that today. Is it fair or is it foul? That's our poll question of the day. Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw. No, no, not a straw that's flavored like a hot dog. No, no, no. An actual hot dog made into a straw. A homemade hot dog straw. Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw. Fair or foul? Right now, 89% of you say foul. 11% say fair. The comments are already rolling in. This is why. This is why I love you guys. Because of this right here. Ton on the Twitter. I've never done it. I'll never do it. However, I'll never knock it either. It sounds like a horrible idea, but I'll allow it. I'm not saying it's a home run, but it's not foul either. Ton, look at that. JPK, the OD, says, what is this abomination and from whose twisted mind did it spring forth? He shared a gift saying that's all kinds of nasty. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, it is a violation of the rules of beer drinking to ever consume any beer through a straw. That is correct. Thank you, John Paul. That being said, IPAs are not beer and also disgusting. So a straw is okay so you don't have to taste it as it goes down. I was not ready for IPA slander, but I'm here for it. Ralph Bergeron says, oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what I really want to be. Because if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would drink a beer through me. Not. (laughs) Oh, man. Once again, our top story today. Look, we got plenty to get to. Okay, we got Sage training camp, preseason. We got... Raging Cajuns announcing a starting quarterback officially. We got some Astros to get to. We got four tremendous guests. Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast is joining us at 7 o'clock. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, is going to join us at 7.30. Chris Edwards, the longtime head football coach for the Northwest Raiders, will be joining us as we start previewing area high school football teams as the season kicks off next week. And Bill Bender, the award-winning heralded columnist reporter from the Sporting News. We got a ton to get to. But the top story has to be the Yankee fan in the plaid Yankee hat making himself a homemade hot dog straw to drink his beer through. Phenomenal. Should he be considered an American hero? 
That's our poll question of the day. Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw. Fair or foul? Once again, 91% of you say foul. 9% say fair. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Let's head out to the hotline. Reynold, good morning to you, brother. Hope you're being safe out there on this rainy Tuesday morning, my friend. What's on your mind? Oh, yeah, I got a two-and-a-half-hour drive, so I'm trying to be uh, uh, a good driver. <clears throat> there you go, brother. Be careful now. I tell you what, the guy had it all wrong. I'm not a beer drinker, but I've, I've heard Redneck talk about this, that, you know, putting a straw through a hot dog, you're not going to get all the flavor. Now, if they could figure out a way to put a hole through a Slim Jim, thus putting into a beer, then you have something to talk about. Then you're getting max flavor. <laughs> so you would be willing to try if they could figure out a way to make a Slim Jim a little bit bigger so you could put a straw through it and make a hole through it. Sure, You'd be that down. Would be, that would be the best thing to slice bread. <laughs> Ronald, we may, we may try to make that happen, bud. <laughs> hey, hey. All things are possible. <laughs> that it is, brother. That it is. Thank you for the phone call, bud. Enjoy your day. Be safe right. out there on Bye. your travels, brother. My man says, goes, goes, go, go with the Slim Jim. Go with the beef jerky. <laughs> Anna won't even speak this morning so far. She's too busy making a gross face. Her face says it all. We got to take a timeout. Oh, we're going to talk a little Saints. We're going to talk a little Cajuns. And, of course, we're going to continue talking about hashtag hot dog straw on this glorious Tuesday morning edition of RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself $500 to chop specialty meats. You also will get a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and UL, Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. That's the only way that you're going to be able to score yourself the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Once again, it's powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. But you can only win it by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today. It's easy, it's simple, and it's free to do so. Don't forget to keep voting on our poll question of the day. Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw. An actual hot dog converted into a straw. Is this fair or is this foul? That's our poll question of the day inspired by a Yankees fan who decided to create one at the ballpark all by his lonesome while he sat in the aisle seat. 
outstanding. Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. But we're going to put the hot dog straw talk aside just briefly. As we're going to talk a little New Orleans Saints football. Preseason wraps up this week for the black and gold. They're going to be at home for their lone preseason game. That's going to be against the Los Angeles Chargers. That'll be this Friday night. Lost their first two preseason games, but look, coaches really don't care about this. Wins and losses and preseason do not matter. There's been team after team that's gone winless in the preseason or have only won one game in the preseason and then puts together deep playoff runs and Super Bowl victories. Most of the time, if you go undefeated in the preseason, it usually results in an awful season. Preseason is a time for in-game evaluation of new players or young players. And that's what the Saints have used it for. They've given Trevor Penning, the first-round pick out of Northern Iowa, plenty of time, plenty of game reps. He may actually start now because of the injury to James Hurst. And he looked better, a lot better, against Green Bay. Chris Olave has looked really smooth, 20-yard touchdown catch last Friday night against the Packers. Lots of guys on the defensive side of the football. So this is a time for evaluation. This is a time for guys to try to earn a spot on the 53-man roster. Deshaun Dixon, former Nichols Colonel star, who went undrafted, the wide receiver, who's quick and shifty and, oh, oh by the way, six foot four. He's going to make a hard decision for the coaching staff. We heard Ross Jackson talk about it yesterday. He thinks he's probably going to end up on the practice squad. If not, another team's going to poach him if the Saints don't have a spot for him on the 53-man because he's balled out. Now, there's a logjam of talented guys on the roster at wide receiver. How many wideouts are the Saints actually going to carry? They usually keep six. Well, four of those spots are gone. Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Dante Hardy. Well, that's four spots right there. Traquan Smith, eh, feels like he's on the bubble. Marquez Callaway, who led the team in receptions, I think he makes it. I think he's their number five. So then it's like Traquan Smith, Kevin White, and Dixon are battling it out for essentially what would be the last spot on the 53-man roster for a wide receiver. That's if the Saints only keep six. So this is the final week of that type of evaluation. And they've also done something else. Kirk Merritt has gotten a lot of publicity for being a guy that's balled out during training camp. Well, there's been a lot of talk about moving him to running back and also utilizing him in the return game. And Dennis Allen talked about that yesterday with the media. You know, like I said last night, he's got some experience with that position. We've always felt like he was a pretty good run after catch type of receiver. And so it was just something that we thought, well, the more roles you can do, the better chance you have of making a football team, and the more things that you can do for us, the more valuable you become. So it was a good opportunity to kind of take a look at him. You can also utilize him in a multitude of ways, right? You know this is a guy that can play wide receiver, but he can play running back. You use him in the return game. The Saints love guys that have multiple skills that they can use because they love having their players be diverse flexible that's what they like 
And Kirk Merritt's trying to do everything he can to make this roster by doing multiple things for the team. They did do a pickup recently in the last week and a half. This actually happened, I do believe, when I was out of town, where they signed John Bostic to the roster to add linebacking depth. And Dennis Allen, former defensive coordinator turned head coach, talked about what John brings to the team. Well, look, he's a veteran player. I, th- I think he's picked up what we're doing pretty well. We brought him in here, I, I guess, it, first day in here was on Monday. We didn't even practice, and then next thing you know, he's out there practicing against uh, Green Bay. So I thought overall, and I think overall, he's done a pretty nice job of picking things up. There's just something about you know that veteran presence that I kind of like. You like having another veteran guy out there because you have DeMario, but then after that, you got Pete Werner, who's entering his second year. You got some other guys that have been around the league two or three years that are fairly young players. You bring in Bostic, it gives you a veteran presence. Coach is always going to want a vet in that mix when it comes to the depth chart. Nothing worries a coach more than looking at the depth chart and going, I got one veteran guy and a bunch of young players. That usually makes coaches slightly uneasy. Marcus Davenport's health in his career has made Saints coaches uneasy. Immensely talented pass rusher. When healthy. When healthy has always been the big thing for Marcus Davenport. He has shown you that he can be an elite pass rusher. The problem is, is that he's not consistent with it because he can never stay on the field. Once again, had to have some work done this offseason. Had to have part of a finger partially amputated. Trying to get healthy, trying to be in there. It's a contract year for Davenport. And Allen talked about his young pass rusher trying to get to be 100%. He's getting better. He's kind of incorporating himself back into some of the you know team activities and things. That's been a positive. I think there's still some hurdles that we gotta, that we got to get over for him. But certainly everything's progressing in the right direction. Progressing in the right direction. I'd really love to hear Dennis Allen say he's ready to go if I'm a Saints fan. Progressing, not optimal. Not optimal. Eric McCoy, meanwhile, on the offensive line, has turned into quite the player. Second-round draft pick out of Texas A&M a few years ago. He fell. He had a first-round grade. But interior offensive linemen typically fall out of the first round in the NFL draft. Saints were able to get him in the second. And he's been a stalwart for that offensive line. And Allen talked about what it's like having McCoy line up under center or at the center position. I would say probably the best thing is that nobody's really talked about him. And that's usually a good thing if you're an offensive lineman. Usually when you're an offensive lineman and you're getting talked a lot about, that's, that's not necessarily always a good thing. So that just speaks to kind of the consistent nature of the player. I think he's a good player for us and certainly glad we got him. McCoy has been working on becoming a better player, a more dynamic player. Part of that is because he's being forced to, because the guys to his left and the guy to his right struggle at times, which puts more pressure on McCoy to be even better because he's got to clean it up. The center's job is to not only obviously snap the football cleanly to the quarterback, but he also has to pop up and help his guard, left guard, right guard, and the guard play for the Saints has been suspect the last few years, so that puts more pressure on McCoy. 
and he talked about what he's been working on to become an even better player. I would say it's going well. Definitely still areas that I need to improve. An area, a big point of emphasis for me this year is just my first step. I feel like I've improved there, so I've gotten better as a player naturally because of that. Like I said, there's still lots of room for improvement. I still have too much wasted movement in my stance, too many false steps, stuff that I have to get better at and that I plan on doing through these next couple of days. Doug Marone was brought in to help fix the offensive line, right? You don't need to fix Ryan Ramchick. You don't. You need to teach Andres Pete how to be a pass blocker, a better one. You need to teach Susie Ruiz how to play in the NFL. And you can also teach the young rookie, Trevor Penning, how to develop into a left tackle in the NFL. But McCoy talked about what it's like been having the veteran O-line coach with the team this offseason. I wouldn't say easy is the word, but we love having Coach Ron in the room. Very detail-oriented guy. Like, he, he really, really hones in on this first step that I was talking about, and that's something that I've never really had to consciously think about until now. I've never really been coached on it. I feel like that's the same thing for a lot of guys, taking up new coaching points and moving on with them. Like I said, we love having him in the room. Yeah, yeah. I love what he said there. He, he said at the end that he loved it, but at the beginning is like, well, <laughs> Doug is getting after them. Doug is pushing them to be better. Doug Marone is pushing them to be elite. Eric McCoy is the type of guy that takes tough coaching. If the other guys across that offensive line will be able to do the same, the Saints could have a really special unit. If they take Doug Marone's coaching, if they develop and rise to the occasion. Eric McCoy, very good center. Ryan Ramchek, a great right tackle. Trevor Penning has potential. For me, it's the guards. Can Doug Marone fix the guards? And we'll see. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk Raging Cajuns football. Coach Dez talked to the media yesterday, and he did confirm the reports that came out over the weekend. Chandler Fields is quarterback one for the Raging Cajuns. We'll hear from Coach Dez. That's next, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. You can also place the same game parlay for a shot at even a bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one like which which team will get the win, which team to score first, and more. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football, and you could get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
You got to be 21 years of age to play, though. Physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only. One per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 is issued as eight $25 bets, by the way. Restrictions do apply. See terms and conditions at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Licensee partners, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call one 770 stop Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Hashtag hot dog straw. Gentleman at the New York Yankees game took a straw out, poked it through the middle of his hot dog, then took said hot dog and made it into a straw for his beer. So many things wrong with all of that. Using a straw to drink beer, one. Two, you turned your hot dog into a straw. It's our poll question of the day. And something I can't stop watching on social media. (laughs) So we asked you, is it fair? Is it foul? Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw. 95% of you say foul. 5% of you say fair. Ton also has chimed in on Twitter. Let's not forget, this was a Yankees fan. We know what they're like. Oh, Yankee shade. (laughs) Brad on Twitter says, it's disgusting. Y'all really hit the bottom of the barrel with this poll question. Hopefully tomorrow's food question won't make me gag. Oh, Brandon says you must not have seen the viral video from last night, Brad. Doug has chimed in saying, my hot dog will wait for the beer at the bottom of my stomach. Texting into Katiana goes, foul. This dude probably wears socks with sandals. (laughs) Oh, Ralph has chimed in yet again. A beer drinking contest with hot dog straws could be the undercard for the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Championship with the silver bullet belt up for grabs. Chestnut would possibly be a dual title holder. I like that. Maybe we should make that a contest. Here from the game. Like a beer drinking contest with hot dog straws. Mm. Mm. Winner could have a belt. Of the people that work at the station, Hannah, myself, Matthew Miguez, James Mesh, those are the full-time employees, and Clint. Who would take part in this? Kevin's not going to take part of it because he doesn't drink. So he disqualifies, unless we make it like Dr. Pepper or something, see if he'll do it that way. There we go. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have to be beer. We can make it soda. Okay. All right. So there we go. There we go. We we could have our own hot dog straw. Wow. Because <laughs> 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 to me, yeah, the Dr Pepper or some other soda. Because beer tastes like a a, a bodily fluid that I don't want to to discuss. Is that nasty? I may. I, we may have something here. We may have something here. Inspired. By the reaction to our poll Do we question. Have to? Thank you, Ralph. It could be something. It could be a fun time. We could film it for social media no, purposes. No, no, uh uh-uh. <laughs> How many how many Dr. Peppers can you drink through a hot dog straw? <laughs> oh man. 
I just worry about our guy here that he made sure that uh, hopefully the hot dog was cooked all the way through. Because <laughs> that'd be that'd be bad for our boy here. That'd be that that would not be that would be not good. That would be not good for him whatsoever. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We talked a little New Orleans Saints football earlier. Let's talk a little Raging Cajun football. They're wrapping up fall camp. And sources had released information over the weekend that Chandler Fields would be quarterback number one for Coach Dez and company for this season. And sure enough, Coach Dez confirmed that yesterday. And as he made it official, naming Chandler Fields QB1. Today, I think the big thing, the big order of business is we've made our decision on the starting quarterback. The competition was great all the way through it. You know, those guys competed really hard. Um, but Chandler Fields is going to be our starting quarterback. Um, he gives us the best chance to go out there and go win and go play really good football for us this year. You know, that's where we're at as a team, and we're going to move forward with Chandler. Not surprised by this decision. Look, it's tough when you're the guy and I go back to this Billy had very little time in his staff which included coach Des that very very first recruiting class they had very little time Billy got hired in December in the national signing period they missed the early signing period they just focused on the the normal traditional signing period and so that class was technically the first class but they didn't have really a lot of time with it the next class was the one that was the game changer. That's the one that got Max Mitchell and some of the other guys, including Chandler Fields. And Chandler was one of the top recruits that they, they got. They were one of the guys, and he was the guy in that first recruiting class. I still remember it like it was yesterday because I did a story and I interviewed Chandler. He was still at high school, and he talked about how he was essentially recruiting the other players. Like, he started a group text with the other prospects, and Jax Harrington and Max Mitchell and all those guys, they came to the Cajuns. So Chandler was a prized recruit that also helped them build up a recruiting class. And on top of it, he took to the playbook early. He was redshirted. Then he learned behind Levi Lewis. And he was the guy they entrusted if something happened to Levi, who they held in high regard. It's not a knock on Ben Woolridge here, but Chandler was already that guy. Knew the playbook, recruited by the staff, recruited by Dez, knows the playbook, was the guy that was the backup for the last two seasons. There's a level of consistency. There's a level of trust there. So I'm not surprised that they ended up going with Chandler. I do like the fact that Coach Dez did the competition, though. I really do. And Coach Dez was asked, okay, you know Chandler, you've seen him play, but what stood out to you about him during this quarterback competition during fall camp? You know, I think throughout fall camp it, it became it became a little bit more clear as we went along to me that, you know, Chandler, he just he makes plays down the field, you know, and he pushes the ball down the field and he makes a lot of plays down the field. And I think you play quarterback to win the game. You know, you don't play it not to lose it. And he's got that mentality, and he's done a really good job running the offense and operating it. I think it just came down to me, to the guy that made more plays and put the ball in better spots down the field. That's kind of that's where we went with it. If you watch Chandler at all in high school, you've seen him during practice, Chandler's not afraid to make the throw down the field. 
He's just not. He believes in his arm. Now, that can put you in some dangerous situations, right? Having a little too much confidence. But you heard what Dez says. Dez is a former star quarterback in high school and in college. There's a particular. There's going to be particular things that he's looking for because he played the position. He played it at a high level. I'm talking player of the year level. His name's on the big board etched outside of the meeting room of award winners for the Raging Cajuns. Des knows what it takes to play quarterback. You heard him say it there. Chandler makes more plays. Makes more plays. Also, Chandler got to learn underneath Levi Lewis. Got to watch how Levi conducts himself, how Levi leads an offense, how Levi leads a team. That played a role in this as well. I think it's it's certainly helped. You know, I mean, Ben was in there with them last year. Anytime you've got a guy who's won as many games as Levi has and prepared the way he has, it, it, it helps. I mean, you know, you sit there. Those guys have prepared really hard for this job. They're up here every morning. They're in the film room. They're working. And Chandler, you got to figure he's learned that from Levi a little bit, right? You got to figure that he's kind of grown up in the way that, you know, he's seen what it takes to go out there and compete and win. They know the the standard that's been set. And, uh, you know, I really feel like being behind a guy like Levi has definitely paid dividends for him. Great quote. Also, background noise. That is the Coke cooler in the media center that always without fail the compressor turns on every single time every single time it turns on every single time so then you have to have matt sullivan go in and unplug it <laughs> shout out to sully <laughs> the other thing that went into this decision, and Coach Dez was very transparent about this, is that Chandler has leadership skills. You know, he's quiet. He goes about his business. He's not afraid to say what needs to be said, but he is a quiet leader. I think naturally part of that probably comes from being a backup so long. That's a difficult situation to manage sometimes, you know, when you're a backup and you don't want to step on toes. You don't really know kind of how that fits and where that goes. So I think that's maybe a little bit of it. Now, kind of what I challenged him now is like, hey, look, this is this is your team. The team knows it. They've been told it. They trust you. They believe in you. The whole building believes in you. It's time for you to go be you. But Levi was never a guy that was very vocal. You know, he saved when it had to be said. And I think Chandler's kind of a little bit like that. You know, I'm just do what I do more than what I say, which to me is the best type of leader, right? They got plenty of people that want to talk. The guys that, that are going to do it are the ones that really gain respect from their teammates. That's key. Because Levi was not a boisterous personality. He didn't get into your face. But Levi put in the work. And Levi had a way of commanding the locker room. He did so when he was a freshman, when Mark Hudspeth threw him out there in the fire during the lost season where they played three different quarterbacks. But Levi was the first one in, the last one out. Levi showed up on time. Levi came prepared. Levi stayed after practice. Levi worked with guys and talked to them. It, that you don't have to be the really loud leader to be the leader of the team. Levi Lewis showed that the last three-plus seasons. Chandler Fields has a little bit of that in him as well. 
So Fields is the guy, QB1 for the Raging Cajuns as they gear up. And they'll open up the season against the Southeastern Lions at home at Cajun Field on September 3rd, Saturday, September 3rd. We'll talk more about Chandler Fields as QB1 and the Raging Cajuns when Jay Walker joins us at 7.30 this morning. But right now, we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one, get you an update on that poll question of the day. Hashtag hot dog straw. Next, here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score yourself some excellent prizes to take your lady out and show her a good time. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Tremendous mouth-watering steaks, great sides, desserts. They even have a cigar room. You can have a tremendous time down at Mr. Lester's. Want something a little bit more casual? How about Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou as well? You can score yourself a $25 gift certificate to that establishment. We also have a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill. Not to mention, once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have opportunities to score Astros tickets, concert tickets, and more. But you can only score all these great prizes to help with those date night blues by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Let's check in on our poll question of the day, shall we? Is it fair or is it foul? Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw. 96% of you say foul. Only 4% say fair. (laughs) Brad Brad says, no, thank God, never heard of it until now. I never knew this was a thing until now either, Brad. By the way, (laughs) Robert Duplichans goes, wait, what? What? I got to go with foul. It's just we've disrupted everyone's morning with our poll question. Once again, go vote on our poll question of the day. Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw, fair or foul? Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. (laughs) Our buddy James Yasko says, ban that man for life. (laughs) Oh, man. That's going to do it for hour number one. Hour number two, we'll kick it off with Brett Chancey of the Locked On Astros podcast. That'll be next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Woo! Things that happen at ballparks when the month of August starts to wind down. Hot dog straws, 
and other extracurricular activities happening at Oakland Athletics games. <laughs> How can you not love baseball? <laughs> How can you not love baseball? Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, RP3. I'm joined inside the studio by someone who's trying to think of a way for us to make our own hashtag hot dog straw game, a contest, if you will, for the station. She says she doesn't want to drink beer through a hot dog straw, but would maybe prefer maybe a Dr. Pepper, if you will. So we're going to figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got to make that happen. Got to make that <laughs> As she tries not to hurl in the producer's studio. That's our poll question of the day. <laughs> Fair or foul? Hot dog straw. Drinking ballpark beer through a homemade hot dog straw overwhelmingly the majority of you say foul but keep those comments coming and keep those votes coming on facebook and twitter but right now it's time for us to talk more baseball with a man who covers it he writes now a weekly column for us at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com covering the houston astros he's also the co-host of the locked on astros podcast Brett Chancey joins us now. Brett, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. You know, I'm just glad that we've got the American League leading Houston Astros going into a series where we are welcoming back Carlos Correa as foe and not friend tonight. So I'm sure the ballpark will be electric. It's it's going to be interesting, right? Because I want to start there because in all seriousness – Carlos stepped up in a big way for the Strohs, especially after the trash can scandal broke. He became, in a lot of ways, the face of the franchise. He was out front. He protected his guys. He stood up for his fellow players. He stood up for Jose Altuve. He stood up for everyone else. And he became a fan favorite. And obviously, he leaves to go sign the one-year deal with the Minnesota Twins so how are fans going to react to him tonight at Minute Maid Ballpark? Well, I, I think fans will, will, be, will be excited that he's there. Of course, I think they'll give him probably, you know, I'd be surprised if most fans didn't stand when they clapped for him because they're going to do a tribute video. Um, what I would like the Astros to do, and of course they probably won't, that's I would love to them include the clip of him telling Cody Bellander to shut the F up. That would be nice. Um, but uh, as a professional organization, they'll probably go back to when he was selected first overall, probably go back to some key home runs. Um, I personally think they should show him hitting home runs against the Minnesota Twins in the playoffs. But, again, my wishes don't always come true. I think the fans will definitely cheer for Carlos. They may at some point boo at some point in the game. But to me, the way he took the team on his back, the way he really carried this team, like you mentioned, through the playoffs, um, to me it would be hard to boo the guy. Um, Especially, I don't know if you're aware, but the first pitch is being thrown out by a girl that Team Correa is sponsoring, his foundation. Um, She is one of the survivors of the Uvalde tragedy um, and she actually was wounded, and she's throwing out the first pitch sponsored by Carlos Correa. So I think there's a lot of reasons to cheer Carlos and thank him for what he meant to this organization while he was here. 
Let's talk about the team. I got to see them in person in Chicago. Well, I was up there for a conference last week, and they, they gutted out a hard-fought win against the White Sox, and then the next day they absolutely murdered them, 20-plus runs. But then they dropped the series to Atlanta, and they split with Chicago, and they had split recently with Cleveland. And so what do you make of what you're seeing here in the month of August from the Strohs? I think we're seeing the dog days of summer, and it's not to make excuses. I mean, at the end of the, at, you know, when it's all said and done, you you have to perform no matter where your competition is. Now, in those losses, especially to the Braves, they didn't get their rear ends handed to them. They, no, that's right. They they were they were highly contested. So I I would have been more worried if the Astros would have been beat eight to two or nine to one, but they competed the whole way. It's you can see some fatigue on the part of the bullpen. You know, you've got you've got three pitchers. You've got you know Narius with fifty plus, and you've got three others with forty plus innings. Um, and you have Presley with thirty six plus. I there was there were some questionable things, some questionable calls to the pin that I actually ended up working out in in Sunday's game with Montero. I just think these guys are, you know. It's a long season. On top of that, you got to realize they haven't had a lot of off days. They've had a lot of stretches of eighteen, you know, nineteen games in eighteen days, um, you know, forty-four games in forty-five days. They've had a pretty brutal schedule. I think all of Major League Baseball has, but they're still, I believe, tied for second with relief pitching ERA, and they're first in every category for starting pitching. But for sure the relief pitching has to step up because in October, if you make mistakes like you did, you're going to have teams like the Braves that will take advantage of it. And the Braves is a team I absolutely am not okay with facing in the World Series right now. Of course, anybody in the World Series has a chance to win. It's a 50-50 shot. But my biggest concern is the relief pitching, and I think everything else seems to be clicking. The offense, you know, it comes around when it needs to. Kyle Tucker's heated up. Alex Bregman's back to form. Um, you know, Jordan Alvarez is hitting again. So, I think we're good there. We just got to get these hiccups out of the way, and hopefully they can get rid of them before it really, really counts. Because that was going to lead me to my next question, because it does feel like a little wear and tear on the bullpen. They had the best bullpen in baseball. It, calendar turns to august they've had missteps they've had guys and it's not been one guy in particular it's been multiple guys out of the pen that have had bad moments and have lost games for the astros and you could argue they need to score some more runs as well that would be helpful but because you're putting the bullpen in a bad spot so you're not concerned at all about the bullpen and the way they performed the last three plus weeks well well i i mean yes i am i I think they have. I think they have the ability to to get back to where they were in one of the best bullpens in baseball. But it is a little concerning. Now, there were. If you go back and look at what Ryan Stanek did and what what happened to him when they lost in that extra innings game, I believe two of those hits had an expected batting average of like 120. So sometimes baseball gets you, and those leadoff walks is what led to those runs. And what is baseball all about? Putting the ball in play. If you put the ball in play, 
you can make things happen. I don't care if the expected batting average is .83. You can still win as long as that ball is moving on the field towards the fielder. Something can go wrong. And that's what happened. That's why they've got to be sharper in their delivery to their to – their, you know, you can't have a first batter walk as a reliever, um, especially in extra innings. The extra innings, the, the guy on second will kill you if you lead off with a walk. And they put themselves behind the eight ball too much, and they just didn't reinforce that with scoring more runs. When they did come back in extra innings and score, I believe they just tied. They scored the one run. They really – before that, had bases loaded, should have scored four or five runs. You know, the Astros should have won that game eight to five or eight to four, to be honest with you. They just didn't produce in the end. We're talking with Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. You mentioned Alex Bregman. Uh, he had a monster. He, he's been on a tear of late. It sure does feel like he's starting to return to that 2019 2020 form uh, do you feel confident in stating that 100 percent. you know alex has struggled with injuries last year he put on all that muscle i think that was a little reticent of of what the wear and tear we saw he was literally playing with a broken hand in the world series this year he's fully healthy and people are saying he's playing with dad power i mean since he's since his son has been born, I think he's hitting around 400. Um, he, he's got his average already back up to 261. His OPS is up to 831. You know, he's got 18 home runs and 72 RBIs. And this is the Alex Bregman we absolutely expect to see in Houston. This is the guy that they signed to the $100 million extension. And this is a guy that we feel like when the playoffs come around, I want Alex Bregman at the plate because not only can he hit, He's got plate discipline, and he's not going to swing outside the zone more cases than not, and that is a recipe for success in the playoffs. Let's talk about this series against the Twins. The Central, I argue, is probably the most competitive. It's not the best division in baseball, talent-wise, but it's definitely turned into the most competitive as we come down the stretch here as the Guardians, Twins, and White Sox all have a legitimate chance of winning said division. What are some of the challenges the Twinkies present the Astros? Well, I just think they they go out there and they field a professional lineup. They have guys like Polanco, like Correa. You you have you have your Byron Buxtons. You have guys like that who who really have not been doing. I mean, the Twins have lost three in a row. They just they just lost to the Rangers. So you may be catching them on a little bit of. A downside, their leadoff guy, Aries, um, at second, is a very good contact hitter. And the Twins are going to go out there and compete. You know, Correa is going to be motivated, and that may be something that they have to fight against because he probably feels more comfortable than any visiting player outside of George Springer coming to Minute Maid Park. So if they can keep him off the bases and – if they can just stack the runs early, I think the Twins won't pose a true threat this week. I think the Astros handle them pretty easily. All right, bud. We'll get you out of here with this. You have the Locked On Astros podcast. You also are starting to contribute to us with a weekly column about all things Astros. But i got to get your thoughts. Yeah. Hot dog straw. The man took a hot dog took his straw, 
poked a hole through the hot dog, turning hot dog into a straw, and then used that to drink his beer. First of all, he's drinking beer through a straw. We got to discuss, you know, that alone. What do you make of hashtag hot dog straw? Well, at first in the video, I was looking to see if there's anybody who maybe had a invested interest, like maybe someone bet him to do this. He's literally all by himself. Not only that, he's wearing a plaid Yankees hat. So that's another problem I have with this guy. It's like, I'm like, come on. Like, if if I needed any more material to get on Yankees fans, I've got this now. That, to me, is probably one of the grossest things I've ever seen. And, look, you know, to each his own. Look, if you like drinking beer out of a hot dog straw, whatever. But don't bring that to my party because I, I don't know. But I don't know about y'all in Southeast Louisiana. I don't think that would fly. And I know in, in Minute Maid Park, I've never seen that. I, I just someone was like, "Well, you know, you can cook brats in beer," and I'm like, "But that's not even the same thing. This this is like, what is this? I mean, are his taste buds dead? Um, you know." You know, I don't know. I was I was flabbergasted by that, and and I just was like, you know, this this is this is taking uh, watching baseball to a level I didn't think it could go. Are Yankee fans that miserable since the All Star break that they're resorting to drinking beer through a homemade hot dog straw? I mean, they've been going crazy. They they've been really reeling, and until their win against the Mets last night, you would have thought you would have thought the world was on fire. They have just, I mean, I, I guess that's what happens when you have this team with so much promise and a possible MVP candidate and they can't scratch across the win. You're like, well, maybe my hot dog will make a good straw because the game's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, appreciate your time as always, brother. Thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, bud. All right, thank you so much. Go Astros and everybody in Louisiana. Y'all have a good one. And check us out on Locked on Astros on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts for your team every day. That's Brett Chancy from the Locked on Astros podcast joining us here. He joins us every Tuesday at straight up 7 o'clock. He also contributes a weekly column that will be posted later on today as well. Hot dog straw. Whew. Glorious glorious <laughs> oh just I, i've been showing the video to everyone i can we're gonna actually we're gonna we're putting together a little video montage of people's reaction around the studios this morning to the hot dog straw and we're gonna share that later with you on our social media accounts so make sure to be checking out that as we watch the gentleman drink his beer through a hot dog straw we gotta take a timeout. more rp3 and company coming up you're listening to the game southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros a recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist take that dental hygiene this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Uh, Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. This season lineup includes the St. Thomas Moore Cougars on the game 1037 Lafayette. Acadiana High, that's right, the Reckon Rams are going to be on MeTV FM 97.7 FM. Karen Crow High is going to be on Z1059. Southside High School on our sister station, Mustang 1071. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week. Oh, it's back on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. The St. Landry Parish Game of the Week is back as well. It's going to be on News Talk 98.5 FM. And the Barb Buccaneers are going to be on the Game 1041 Lake Charles. Make sure to download each station's free mobile app for either your Android or your Apple devices. That way you can listen to the exciting action wherever you may be on the home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. Let's get to some comments on the poll question of the day. Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw, is it fair? Is it foul? Let's go to Facebook for some comments. James Kennedy says, this is the Yankiest Yankee-like Yankee thing I've ever seen a Yankee fan do to a Yankee wiener. I bet the Red Sox forums are on fire this morning. I was hoping to hear from Martin today, but it just hasn't happened because I thought for sure he'd be all on top of this, giving Yankee fans hell for this. Keith Vice says, foul. That's an efficient comment. Jude Miller says, foul. And David Ackman Jr. says foul as well. Some efficient comments there on the game's Facebook page. Once again, our poll question is inspired by the Yankee fan who took a hot dog and turned it into a straw to drink his beer. To drink his beer. First of all, who drinks beer with a straw? One. That's number one. Suspect behavior. Number two. Who says, you know what's going to be good here? Taking the wiener from the hot dog that I bought at the concession stand and converting it into a straw for said beer. Put my man rocking his Yankees plaid cap. Got after it. No stopping him. Just nonchalantly just sits there and does it like, yeah, this is what I do. It's a Monday. 94% of you say it is foul. 6% say it's fair drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw. Plenty of comments. You guys have been very on point about this this morning. Darren on Twitter says he got the full bang for his buck, dollar signs, and then throwing up emojis. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Martin has chimed in with a comment on Twitter. Pretty sure this is how Paul eats his hot dogs. Yankee fans doing Yankee things, LOL. And now my wish has been granted because Martin is on the game hotline. Martin, brother, good morning to you, bud. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I mean, um, (laughs) I'm I'm just saying uh, for all them Yankee fans out there, eating a hot dog with a straw through the wiener is not is not going to win y'all a 28 World Series championship. I mean, is that some type of a rally uh, 
kind of deal they're starting to do now, you know, like you flip your baseball cap inside out and because uh, they're so desperate for wins these days, you know, because they can't find a win to save their life. I mean, I just don't understand, you know. I mean, that just shows you how uh, how delusional Yankees fans are. And uh, I hope Paul is listening this morning because uh, I think I've caught him eating a hot dog that, that way before. Uh, yeah. are, might- are you accusing Paul of being – a lover of hot dog straws for beers? Is that what you're trying to do here? Uh, I, I definitely am because, I mean, they ain't won a World Series in God knows how long, so they, they got to find other ways to entertain themselves. So uh, why not just stick a straw through a hot dog wiener? I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't have thought of that, you know. I mean, I put my straw in a cup, and first of all, who drinks a beer with a straw anyway? There it I mean, is. There it is, Martin. There it is. Thank you I'm, for your phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. Yes, Be sir, safe out go, there. Go Red Sox and enjoy that that that, that hot dog straw. <laughs> oh, you know, it did help. The Yankees did beat the Mets 4-2 to two last night. I'm just saying. Did the gentleman in the plaid Yankees hat drinking his beer through a hot dog straw, did that help inspire the pinstripers to not be awful for the first time since the All-Star break. I'm just asking. Just saying. Just saying. And look, I'm not a Yankees fan, but I'm okay with the Yankees beating the Mets because the Mets are in my division. By the way, the Braves took three or four from the New York Mets recently. Also took two or three from the Houston Astros. In case anyone had missed that, just going to throw that out there. Also defending World Series champions. We got to take a timeout. <laughs> I'm bragging a little bit. I'm, I'm allowed. I'm allowed. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll talk to a man who I guarantee you does not drink his beer through a straw. The illustrious one, Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, will join us talking all things Raging Cajuns. That's coming up next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants, party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Chandler Fields is QB1 for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Coach Dez confirmed it during yesterday's press conference, and now the team can start focusing on him being their top dog as their signal caller and start preparing for their season opener against the Southeastern Louisiana Alliance. To talk more about that decision and other things that he's noticed during the scrimmages and during fall camp is the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, our good friend Jay Walker joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How you doing? I'm uh, trying not to drown, and so far I'm having success. All right, bud. I want to get this out of the way now before we do a deep dive on all things Vermilion and White with you. 
Uh, I know you're a diehard, lifelong St. Louis Cardinals fan. That's correct? Uh, that's incorrect. Oh, oh, incorrect. So so who's who's? I, thought I, am, I, I am a lifelong Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Okay. I you're you're my mortal enemy because we used to be in the same division together, but that's fine. So, when you see a baseball fan take his beer and then take his hot dog and can make his hot dog into an actual straw to drink his beer out of said cup, what is your initial reaction to seeing this? Must be an Astros fan. <laughs> He's a Yankees fan. Oh, good, good. You just couldn't help yourself. Could could not help yourself, bud. <laughs> I could. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Uh, no, I I, I, I I saw that. And you know what? There are things in life that people find disgusting. Um, I think for me, that's got to be one of them. I, I just, I don't want beer that tastes like a hot dog. You get little chunks. They'll get stuck in the straw. There's just oh god, <laughs> yeah, no bad, 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 bad. <laughs> I think I think Hannah's grabbing the trash can as we speak. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I could. I just. I, and, and and Jay, he did it just so nonchalant, like like it was just something he does all the time. Like it's just a random yeah, Monday. It's like, it, yeah, exactly. It's like oh, okay. Well, you know, hey. Uh, don't try this at home unless, of course, you're like me because I do it at home all the time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. God, I mean, God, how can you not love baseball, bud? How can you not love baseball? So, Well, you know, if you don't, lo- if you don't love baseball, your chances to go to heaven diminish considerably. I sign off on that statement. I totally agree with you. All right, bud, let's switch gears. Uh, we started hearing rumblings about it over the weekend. I'm not surprised that Chandler Fields – is the guy he'd been mentored by Levi Lewis for the last couple of years. He'd been the backup. He's been in the system a long time. Obviously, Dez trust him. What do you make of the decision to make Chandler QB1? Uh, not a surprise. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, I mean, I was at the scrimmage on Saturday. And, you know, what I came away with is there are throws that Chandler can make that I don't think Ben can make because uh, of the necessary arm strength. Um I think that had something to do with it. Also, you know, Chandler, he looked so confident back there um, and so at ease back there. I The only thing that surprised me, Ray, is that Mike said that he kind of realized Chandler was the guy like more than a week ago. Um, that That statement surprised me because he's been very succinct about saying, we haven't made a decision, it's neck and neck, these two guys, you know. And, and then, you know, later he says, yeah, well, you know, we figured it out probably a, a little over a week ago that Chandler was going to be the guy. That surprised me a little bit. But am I surprised he's the guy? Absolutely not. You know, you've seen him in practice, and we've seen him in limited, and I, I saw him a little bit in high school before he signed with the Cajuns. You, you mentioned the deep throws, the kind of throws that he can make. What, what does Chandler bring to the table just as a quarterback? Not the mental or the leadership but what does he bring to the table for this offense, in your opinion? I I think he's got a little elusiveness uh, to him. I think you're going to see the Cajuns run the football a little bit more with the quarterback um, under Mike with with Chandler um, out there. I think he's uh, I think he's going to be very good with the rollout. Uh, and again, he's got he's got really good arm strength. You know, you can throw the football a long way. 
And and the other thing, although you you weren't really asking about it, is this. Chandler Fields, a lot of folks don't remember, was Billy Napier's first recruit. And once he committed to the Cajuns, he was on the phone with everybody the Cajuns were recruiting, telling them that they needed to join him at UL. That's the kind of leadership you got to have. And and I haven't forgotten the fact that he did that. So, you know, I, I think this is uh, I think this is going to be good. I think Ben's good enough to play, um, and I think he's you know I, Mike has kind of made it clear that he's going to play. But um, you know, I the the only thing, and honestly, it's the only thing that concerns me about Chandler is his size. You know, he's he's about the same size as Levi yeah. as far as height is concerned. And, you know, I know that they want to use the middle a little bit more this year. Well, in order to throw the ball across the middle, you got to be able to see. So that's the only thing that concerns me. Um, nothing you can do about that. He's the guy. He's the quarterback. Um, they're going to have to modify some things, kind of like they did with Levi. But I think they'll be fine. What did you make of what you saw from the offensive line during the scrimmage? thought they held their own. Um you know, I, I think this, um, you know, we've, we're concerned about the offensive line. I think everybody has said it. But I think the thing you're concerned about is depth more than the starting five. You know, I think the starting five are going to be fine. Um, the, whole, the whole thing with the offensive line is they're not going to be able to afford a bunch of injuries because I don't think they're real deep there. And they're certainly not deep as far as experience is concerned. But I think there's some talent there, and I think their first five are fine. Um, do I think they're going to be as good as a couple of the offensive lines that we've had? No, no probably not. But I, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to be bad either. I mean, uh, everything is relative, and I think this offensive line will be fine. What's the offensive line? What's the starting five going to look like? Good question. Um, if I had to say something today, and, and this is assuming that injuries aren't a part of it. Okay? Correct. Correct. Um, let's assume everybody's healthy. I'm going to go with Rubio, Gilly, Burton, Thomas, and Hudson. That's pretty good. And then you have guys like Jax Harrington and others that can serve in multiple ways as backups across, uh, across the line. Uh, lots of talk, Jay, about running back. Who's going to back up Chris Smith? Who's it going to be? It, it, it seems to be, what, the kid from Manny, right? He seems like he's going to be in the mix. Uh, did that scrimmage change your mind on who the other two running backs are going to be as part of the platoon? Well, I hadn't made up my mind, and so the answer is no. Um, you know, Mike said yesterday, and in fact, somebody asked him the question, you know, can we assume that Cabote and Williams are going to be the next two guys? And, and Mike said, absolutely not. Um, because there's a, a fourth guy, and I don't have the roster in front of me. His name is Draymond. Um, I forget his last name. Um, he said that's right in the mix as well. So that's still to be decided, I think. Um, I don't know that they're going to play more than three, uh, you know, as a rule. But um, that still has to be decided. But, again, there's some talent in the room, Ray. and yeah. And – I think whoever they decide upon, uh, those guys are going to be capable. Let's go to the defensive side of the football. Uh, the defensive line is going to be a strength. The front seven is going to be a strength. The defense itself is going to be a strength. Who's kind of stood out to you during fall camp, though, Jay, 
that uh, that maybe uh, could be a surprise impact player this this coming season? Yeah, I don't know about any surprises. Um, I think there's some guys. Uh, you know, Jaquan Nelson's been good. Um, there are some guys up front that have had their uh, their injury issues during their career. And I think that there are some guys that, as a result, we haven't called their name a lot, that if they're healthy, we're going to call their name a lot. Um, but, I, you know, as far as surprises are concerned, I don't know that anybody has just jumped out and made us go, holy cow, you know. Um, I think there's good depth up front. I think there's good depth in the back. Um, you know, they've got to they've develop some depth. Uh, at the linebacker spot. But, um, you know, again, I, I think this is a deep defense. And, you know, if you're going to be a newcomer and you're going to get your name called, you better be good because there's some good guys out there. Secondary is loaded as well, right? Braylon Trahan and and you got, you know, Trey Amos and, and, and others. What can we expect with that talent and experience coming back, Jay? But it is going to be a new defensive coordinator, right? Uh, what can we expect to see scheme-wise with the talent they have? Yeah, we'll find out um, because I don't. I, I don't think that they've they've shown anything defensively that that made that made me now. Now, please understand, when it comes to the game of football and schemes and everything else, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Okay, but um, I, I I haven't seen anything that's 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 jumped out and made me go whoa. You know, this is a team that did a good job, especially the second half of the season, of forcing turnovers. And this is a secondary, I think, that had an awful lot to do with that. Now, Percy Butler was part of that, and, of course, he's with Washington now. But I, I, I think this defense is going to need to continue to take the football away. That's something that was a strength last year. You've got guys that are back that are capable of doing that. I think that's going to be an important part of the Cajun defense. Where do they stand with the kicking game? Hi, good question. Um, you know, we he's talked the entire time about Almondaris. Kenny had a had a tough scrimmage um, on Saturday, but I, you know, I think the good news is you know you've got options. You know, last year when Almondaris got hurt, the only option you really had was Nate Snyder, and and Nate had a strong leg, but he was inconsistent. But he did kick three field goals uh, in the bowl game. I think you got some capable, capable guys back there. I think Thomas Leo is solidifying himself as the kickoff guy uh, because I don't think that's the strength of Almondaris. I think Kenny's going to get the first shot out there uh, to put the ball through the uprights, but he's got the, he's got guys breathing down his neck. If he's uh, if he's not successful, Mike has options. And they also have. The conference's, what, best punter and best return man as well. So special teams, if they can figure out kicking, is going to be an absolute strength and can win them games as it has the last few years. Yeah, the, the, the you lost some guys on your kick coverage team that are hard to replace. And once again, Percy Butler's name is going to come up. You know, T.J. Wisham was a very, very yeah. good uh, special teams guy for the Cajuns. So they've got they've got some folks there that they have to replace. I'm not worried about who's going to kick it, okay? I think that they've got plenty of talent as far as who's going to kick it. But one thing that this team was really good at last year was covering kicks. 
it was hard to get a good return against the Cajuns. Um, that is my only question because they did lose some playmakers there. But at the same time, part of the reason that it was hard to return kicks was because your kickers did a really good job of placing the football. So um, that's uh, really the only question mark, but it's not a huge question mark to me. I think there's plenty of talent there. We'll wrap it up with this, Jay. Now that they got their quarterback one decided, and obviously there's some still some other competitions going on, how soon will Coach Dez kind of turn the page and start focusing on the season opener, which will be a week from Saturday? Oh, I think he already has. You know, normally when uh, when you break camp, you start looking at opponents the day you come back. Now, yesterday was first day of school, uh, and, and the players were off. But today uh, they're going to hit it, and they're going to start game preparation. And it may not all be about Southeastern. They may look at, at some other uh, opponents as well. But game prep starts now. I mean, camp's over. And, and now you start getting into the swing of uh, your, your game week discipline. And I think always at the beginning of the season, you take two weeks to do that. Jay, you don't need two weeks to prepare for the season, brother. You're already ready to go mid-season form. Appreciate your time, brother. Be safe out there today, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday, bud. I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Go Cajuns. It's Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Uh, the special teams is key, and Jay's right for bringing it up. Over the last three seasons, they've won a lot of games because of one thing, forcing turnovers on defense. The second thing is excellent special teams, being able to flip the field on their opponents, having guys, gunners that are able to go down the field and uh, prevent big returns and making field goals. They have won a ton of games that way. That's going to be key for the Raging Cajuns this coming season if the special teams is on point like it has been in years past. we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. It happened yesterday. No, I'm not talking about the gentleman who decided to convert his hot dog into a hot dog straw for his beer at the Yankees game. No. Yesterday, got it done. Proud proud dad moment. Mom and dad moment. Booked the birthday party for baby girl. She turns eight. Got it done. Trampoline park birthday party. Oh, it's on. Oh, it's on. We're going to be jumping. There's going to be pizza. We got the cheese pizza. We got a pepperoni pizza. We got a meat pizza. We got the drinks, the whole nine yards. Even got the invitations made digitally, sent that out, and we got RSVPs back in a flurry from her bestie, from her friends from church, her friends from school, her friends from dancing. September 10th, Saturday, September 10th, 
is going to be on fire. On fire in Lafayette, Louisiana, as Hattie Parcher will be celebrating birthday number eight. It's in the books. It's going to be. It's going to be a good time. Um, we'll see if you're going to be invited. I'll have to. I'll, I'll have to discuss with the birthday girl if producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names is going to be allowed to come to the trampoline birthday extravaganza of Palooza for Hattie Elise Parch. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> oh, let's get back to that poll question of the day, shall we? Drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw. Once again, the gentleman at the Yankees-Mets game last night wearing a Yankee plaid ball cap is in his seat, opts to take said hot dog, shove a straw through it, making a hole through the entire hot dog, then takes said hot dog and puts it in his beer and uses the hot dog as a straw to drink his beer. We asked you, is that fair or is it foul? Overwhelmingly, 95% of you say it is foul. Only 5% say it's fair. Keep those comments coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your gifts, your memes on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you try to keep it clean for the kids. That's going to do it for our number two on this rainy Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company. Make sure you're safe out there as you make your morning commute to work and school. Please, take your time. No need to rush. When we come back, our number three, we're going to kick it off with Chris Edwards. He's the longtime head football coach at Northwest High School as we gear up for the high school football season, which kicks off next week. That's coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number three has arrived on this stormy Tuesday morning. RP3 and company make sure you guys are safe out there today not only this morning but throughout the day as severe weather is supposed to be coming through this afternoon as well so make sure you take your time out there during your commute to work and school avoid low-lying areas avoid high water and make sure to take your time okay no need to rush on a day like today two hours are in the books we've covered a lot of ground we talked Houston Astros with Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. We've talked Louisiana Raging Cajun football and Chandler Fields being named quarterback number one, QB1, with Jay Walker from UL. And of course, coming up half an hour from right now, Bill Bender, the award-winning columnist reporter from the Sporting News who covers college football, will join us to help us preview the upcoming season, which actually technically kicks off this coming weekend with week zero slate of games. But right now, it's time for us to talk a little high school football. High school football kicks off next week, and we're starting to preview it by discussing the upcoming season 
with our area coaches. We have a strong slate on RP3 and company for the rest of this week and next week. And we also have that as well for footnotes with Kevin Foote. But to kick things off in that regard is going to be the man, the longtime head coach of the Northwest High School Raiders program. They're looking to have a bounce back season and to make a deep playoff run. Coming back on RP3 and company is our good friend Chris Edwards. Coach, good morning to you, brother. The season's almost here. How do you feel? Uh, feel pretty good, man. Good morning to you guys also. All right. So tell me a little bit about your team, Coach. How do you feel about it? What are you guys working on right now uh, as you guys gear up for Jamborees this week? And then obviously the season opener at Northside next week. Uh, we're just trying to get the kids prepared. Uh, you know, we played the scrimmage last week with no special teams. We're definitely trying to advance that this week, getting ready for punt coverage, kick coverage, extra points, stuff like that. So uh, just trying to get them ready. We changed offenses this year, changed defenses. Um, so just kind of making sure the kids are, are, are staying engaged and not getting frustrated and uh, just trying to uh, get hot at the right time, you know? What did you – learn from your team or try to carry over that worked last year into this year's team coach uh honestly we try to scrap everything uh like i said we finished five and five last year we was a, a spread team over the past uh seven years and uh we just haven't had those type of kids here at northwest over the past two years so we wasn't going to force something that wasn't there so uh, we brought in uh coach coach kurt ware from a uh, new new iberia high school and we're going to be running the wing tee this year and are uh, we switching from uh you know pretty much a 50 man defense to playing them you know more four two five defense with a uh, different coverages so uh should be a totally different looking uh, northwest raider football team this year well why did you think the need to kind of retool things i mean i know you guys had a couple of down seasons with covid and last year below the expectation that you have there for the raiders program but what was it about you know what was going on that felt that you needed to retool things reshuffle things a bit coach uh, just looking at my roster, man, and uh, going through, uh, you know, last year during the fall, uh, we kind of tinkered with the wing tee a little bit and kind of went back and forth to the spread. So, you know, like I told the guys in my last interview, they said if you're going to run the wing tee, you can't dibble-dabble in it. You got to be full wing tee, you know. So, uh, we had about five or six running backs and one or two receivers. So, it just made sense to us. You know, we went five and five last year. Um, you know, that was okay, but for us, it was a little bit below the standard. Um, so we're just trying to get back to uh, having more wins and losses and uh, hopefully make a playoff run this year. What was the most disappointing thing from the last two seasons, Coach? The one that kind of just still kind of is in your crawl a little bit that kind of just bugs you? Uh, just the number of kids that's out on the football team. Uh, to be so successful over the past, you know, six years here, um, we always had numbers around 75, 80 kids. And uh, the past two years, man, we probably scraping 45, 50 kids. So, um the depth is not there. Um, I still feel that COVID kind of killed football programs across the country. So, uh, you know, little by little, we, we hope to get these kids back. And, uh, you know, as soon as we get our head above water, then the monkey pox come out. So a lot of parents and kids still kind of weary about contact sports and just being around other kids. So uh, we're just trying to trying to get the numbers back up. And uh, once we get the numbers back up, um, as, our, as coaches, we can find some players, you know. We're talking with Chris Edwards Longtime head football coach at Northwest High School. The Raiders will open up the season at Northside High School next week. Coach, let's talk a little bit about the man that you brought in, Coach Ware. 
He had an immense amount of success at Rain High School and then did some nice things early on at New Iberia Senior High School. Um, did you already have an existing relationship with him? And, and uh, what is it about him that really clicks with what you want to do with the program? Well, um, we, we had a, you know, not a, a, a very close relationship, but, you know, coaches do talk. We exchanged film over the years. And uh, one of my, my head basketball coach, Chester Randall, was uh, worked with him uh, for, for 10 years over that range. So we kind of had common friends. Um, so he kind of knew what was going on at Northwest, um, him being connected close to the Eunice family, with him having ties in Eunice when he first started coaching. And, uh, you know, I guess when he stepped away from New Iberia, he kind of heard that we was trying to, Run the wing tee a little bit. Uh, I contacted him. Uh, he came in and you know, met a few of the kids and said if that's something I wanted to do and uh, and commit to it. And uh, you know he he would be the guy for it, man. And uh, you know we talked about it uh, probably a month before we made it happen. And uh, I, I'm glad I made the decision to bring him in. Uh, he bringing you know 27, 28 years of expertise from a head coach, uh, coaching 5A and 4A football. So um, like I said in my last interview, man, he definitely uh. Dots all his eyes, crosses his T's, and he's been a great addition to our program. What's the biggest challenge converting to that wing T offense? Because once you run it, it's wildly effective and tough to stop, but you have to have the right offensive linemen and you have to have the right backs to run it. So what's the biggest challenge converting Northwest into a wing T offense? Um, right now, uh, just uh, getting the kids to continuously buy in and practice hard and be physical. Uh, we have five senior linemen up front. Um, so that definitely helped us uh, in this transition because they're older and uh, they've been playing. Um, I think we have four or five, you know, above average running backs. I think two of them could be really, really good. Um, so the, 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 the hardest thing is just to get these kids to, to understand that it may not be you this week. It may not be you next week, but uh, whatever they stop, um, somebody's going to get a chance to run. So just be patient and understand that, you know, just block. And when it's your turn to carry the ball, you're going to get it. So like you said, it's very successful offense. Um, we have trouble stopping it every year with units and church point. And uh, you can't beat them. You got to join them sometimes. So uh, that's what we're going to do and uh, see if they could uh, stop their own offense. <laughs> Tell me what you're looking for from your team. I know it's late in the camp process, but Jamboree's kind of put an exclamation point on that and get you ready for the season. What are you hoping to see from your team uh, at the Jamboree this week? Uh, well, we're playing Opelousas High School, um, team that kind of turned things around. Their new coach, uh, they made a you know second round playoff run last year. Um, this year they scrimmage uh, Scotlandville and Belair. They was probably the biggest team on the field. Uh, they look big, they look physical. So I just want my guys to show up and be physical and uh, just put a good showing on. Um, like I tell them, they don't have to win the game. Um, we're still going to be evaluating kids, so kids are not going to play the whole time. Um, especially like I said, we're being 45 kids, not trying to get nobody hurt. So we just want to see our kids show up. Uh, be mentally prepared, um, not make that many mistakes, and uh, hopefully um, with doing that stuff, we may get the win, you know? So, Jamboree, whether you get the win or not, is kind of irrelevant, but it does get you ready for the season. Let's talk a little bit about this team. Who's going to be running the wing tee? Who you got back there lining up at quarterback? Who are your running backs? And uh, who, what, are, what are the names that are going to be heard uh, during a game? I got you. At quarterback, we have Cameron Juba. Uh, Cameron Juba was our starting cornerback last year and the backup running back. Um, he's a senior. Uh, been starting since he's been a sophomore. He'd be at quarterback, so he gives us a little bit of little bit of extra run at that position. Um, the fullback position is JV and Reese. Um, he's been he's been a junior this year. He started last year in the spread as a running back. Rushed for a little over 900 yards. 
expecting him to have a really big season this year. Um, the next guy would be Donovan Thomas. Um, Donovan Thomas played receivers for us last year. Um, the kid, you know, 6'1", 6'2", about 190 pounds, could run. Um, so between JV and Reese and, and, and Donovan Thomas, um, you should hear their names a lot this this football season. And, uh, our other wing back is a sophomore named Kyron Moore. Uh, him and uh, Cameron Jew with our brothers. So you kind of got a, two brothers in the backfield. So those guys work great together. So uh, those four guys are gonna gonna keep us going this year. Tell us a little bit about the Raiders' defense. What can we see? What's the scheme gonna be? Are you guys tweaking it? And who are some of the impact players on that side of the football, Coach? On defense, we we pretty young, man. Uh, we returned uh, six starters last year. Like I said, we're going to a four-two-five. Um, we have a really good defensive end, Mackenzie Arduin. Um, 6'3", you know, 215 pounds, 3'5", um, GPA, very smart kid. Last year he was a first-year football player, made some splash plays just on effort, but this year he's kind of figuring things out. Um, we got two really good inside linebackers, two seniors. Um, one guy moved in from uh, Dallas area, uh, from Memorial High School, been playing 6A ball in Texas, so he's definitely a plug in the middle. Um, in the secondary, we have a, a senior named uh, John Veal that's been starting for two years at cornerback. Real, real good-looking kid, um, about six-foot corner, 190 pounds that could run. Um, other corner um, is Kyron Moore, the, the other wing back. He's a two-way player for us. You know, as a sophomore, he's getting the field both ways. So I should tell you enough about that kid. And uh, we have a, you know, pretty two good interior defensive linemen, um, two big guys, you know, 300, 280 pounds, and. Uh, you know, just we got a formidable defense, man. If we stay healthy, those guys are going to keep us in the game. Talking with Chris Edwards, Northwest High School football coach. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, coach, I look at your non-conference schedule. Three 4A teams and a 3A team. All of them are typically perennial playoff teams. You open up at Northside, then your host Crowley, host Bo Shan, who had a good season last year, one of their best seasons ever. And then, obviously, Eunice is always uh, a contender as well, and that's how you wrap up your non-district schedule. Uh, Tell me about the challenges, and why did you go with that uh, schedule? Well, the first thing I went with is uh, as far as travel. If you notice, our farthest game is north side. That's right. So, uh, we try to keep it close, man. Uh, Like I said, I always look up to Coach Paul Trostclad Eunice before he retired. That's one thing he always talked about, man. I try to travel, you know, as least as possible during the regular season. So, uh, as long as – the schedule permits me, and these guys play me. We stay close. Um, I think that uh, Eunice uh, gives us a good uh, indication of, of 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 how good we are. Like you said, those are the contenders every year. Uh, we played them before we played Church Point, so we get to see the wing tee. Um, Beauchamp's a spread team. Uh, we want to play more teams in Parish, try to get these Parish rivalries back going again. Uh, so, again, we picked up a 4 school with them. Uh, you know, I don't know how good they're going to be this year, but hopefully they could, you know, muster up some wins. Um, Crowley is Crowley. They've been in our district over the past couple of years. So when they step out of district, that was just a great rivalry. So we want to keep that going. And uh, Northside, we played them for the first time last year. Um, our band directors uh, have some uh, things in common with, common with each other, two great bands. So uh, we try to uh, do that, uh, you know, try to make that game a, a big thing for the band and for the football team and for the fans, you know. So four great non-district games, and uh, hopefully that will get us prepared for district. And district, obviously – you know, Port Berry's got a new coach, but you, all, you still have Iota, Church Point's always really good, Pine Prairie, Vilplat, and Mamu. Uh, tell us a little bit about that district slate, Coach. Um, Yeah, uh, these teams are definitely going to be better this year. I know Mamu returned. Um, eight starters on offense. They returned their whole offensive line, so we definitely expect them to 
to, to be a pretty good team this year. Uh, Veer played the same way. Veer played hired a new coach uh, in the middle of the season last year. Coach Sarah came back on at Veer played. Uh, he hired uh, Doug Guillory and, and Kevin Manuel, two uh, former guys in my staff that I know do a good job. So I know those guys are going to be prepared this year. Uh, Pine Prairie um, got a new coach this year. Those guys kind of turned it around last year, returning a uh, good running back they had, uh, three or four offensive linemen, defensive linemen. So I think they're going to be pretty decent. Uh, church point is church point, like you said. Uh, those guys made a semi semifinal run last year. Um, so what they do always pose a problem. Uh, our is going to be tough. I think right now they're the class of the district. Uh, they returned 17 starters um, from last year's football team. So uh, right now I think all eyes are set on them trying to uh, take care of that game. And uh, Fort Barry, like I said, don't know too much about them. Just coming back in the district. But uh, that Red Devil tradition is uh, runs very thick down there in Fort Barry. So you can't take them lightly. Chris, appreciate your time as always. Best of luck with the Jamboree this week and best of luck this season. And, of course, uh, we'll be calling a few of your games throughout the season, Coach, over on the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on our sister station, 98.5 FM and 1520 AM. Appreciate the time as always, brother. Thank you guys, man, for having us. That's longtime Northwest head football coach Chris Edwards joining us here. Raiders, couple of down years by their standards. They want to get back to a level of excellence, want to be back to being a playoff team and making a run, and they're going to be doing that in a new reshuffled 4-3-8 district, and they got some challenges. Crowley, Boshan, and Eunice in non-district play. Should be interesting to see what the Raiders do with that new wing T offense that they're going to be running under former Nish and Rain head football coach Kurt Ware, who joined the staff as OC. we got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day when we return. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Arneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook-off on Saturday, September the 10th. It's going to be right around the corner. The cooking is going to begin at 8 o'clock sharp that morning, and the eating is going to commence at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Arneville. Look, there's also going to be plenty of live music to go with the tremendous eats. Gerald Grunig and Gentelli Zydeco, Dustin Sonier, and Sweet Cecilia will be on hand to perform. For more information about the Arnville Volunteer Fire Department's Black Pot Cook-Off on September 10th. Simply visit ArnevilleFire.org. That's ArnevilleFire.org. Let's take a moment to check in on the poll question of the day. I wonder if celebrities would love some good old-fashioned hot dog straw. I'm just coming to mind, springing to mind, you know, Harrison Ford, big box office star like that, if they would enjoy something like that. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. See how you guys feel about drinking a ballpark beer, if you will, a ballpark beer through your own hot dog straw. 96% of you say it's foul. 4% of you say it is fair. 
I love the people that are committed to saying that it's fair, that are going to be down for drinking a beer through a hot dog. Shout out to those people. Got none but respect for you. Who Dat Forever says, I'd like to imagine a grown-up Kevin McAllister would do this. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Do you know who Kevin McAllister is? Count of five names? Uh, you don't seem confident in the shaking of the head. You don't seem very confident. That's that's the that's the mean kid from I don't know. That's the good kid from Home Alone, correct? McCulpin? That's the kid. That's the central yeah, character Mc, of Home Mc, Alone. Yes. His, I don't know his first name. McCulkin. McCul- it's like Macaulay Culkin. See, it played like that. Kevin McAllister. Yep. See, it's close. There you go. Oh, man, keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Once again, inspired by this Yankee fan who opted to take his hot dog, stick a straw through it, making a hole through the entire length of the hot dog, then spitting out the meat or sucking in the meat from the straw, then taking said hot dog and just dumping it into his beer to use that as a straw to drink the beer. So many things wrong with this, right? You're using a straw to drink a beer. That's tops. Second thing is you're using a hot dog as a straw. Yet my man was doing it like he's done it his entire life. Like, hey, yeah, this is normal. I just want to just want to know what's going through the brain of the person filming this in the stands there at the ball game last night going, How many hot dogs did he do before he said, hey, something's weird with this guy and what he's doing. I think I'm going to start filming it. (laughs) Just, just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. 96% of you, though, say it is foul. 4% say it is fair. Outstanding. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Maybe we should reach out to Macaulay Calkins representatives and see if he would ever try drinking beer through a hot dog straw. Possibly. Maybe. Harrison Ford. So we're, we're making a list of people that we want to reach out to. Harrison Ford, Macaulay Calkin. Would they do it? Would you do it? You say no to beer, producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, but you said, would you at least try it if we said made it a hot dog straw in a cup of Dr. Pepper. Uh, see, now, if you, like, make me, then, you know, I'd have to. I mean, I do run the station. <laughs> just having my lips around a hot dog for that long to drink a whole drink, that just sounds terrible. I just want to know what happened to the bun. Like, I think poor I, bun just I, sitting there chilling the, in the box. The video doesn't show what happened to the bun. The great bun mystery of the hot dog straw is what happened to it? Did he eat it separately or did he just throw it on the ground? Does he like hate the taste of a straw? So that's why he was like, I'm going to get a straw just to put it into the hot dog and then eat the inside of the hot dog that I'm taking out with the straw by itself and then put the hot dog in the beer. Did you eat the hot dog after you drank the beer? Like what? What? What is? What was the plan here? There had to be a plan, and no one notices him doing it around them. No, which is amazing. That no one, somebody behind him saw it and started filming it, and goes, "Uh, 
that's something I need to capture on my phone. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I think any sane person would be like, that's insane. Let me record that. America's funniest videos, here I come. How many hot dogs did this man go through like this? What happened to the bun? Right. And what happened to this poor man that made him start doing this? <laughs> I have so many questions. And I was sent more. Salty Steve sent me an article with 16 more combinations that should not be a thing. That should not exist. 16 more combinations. Yes. Of things that should not exist. Yes. Courtesy of our friend, the salty one. Yes. That uh, I have now put onto the Zoom. So we're gonna, I'm going to switch over the screen real quick. So once this thing is over, there's a multitude of them. So they have this one. is a cinnamon banana pizza. What? Banana, cinnamon, mozzarella cheese, and condensed milk. No. That's terrible. No. It gets worse. Then you got mushrooms, peaches, and blue cheese. But the strawberry vinaigrette on top. That's a pizza? No, that's just that's just to eat together. Who in the right know. mind? Not would... smart people. <laughs> and then there's oh, let's do that. Let's let's take a pear. We're gonna cut it in half, carve up the middle, put some mayonnaise on there, <clears throat> and covered it with cheese, and put a cherry on top. Pear Sunday. You can stop right now. <laughs> For the worse. love. It gets worse. How about waffles with pasta sauce? Or cherry blossom flavored chips. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll stop you right now. Sausage pork with gummy bears. What did you just say? Sausage pork with gummy bears. Scroll down. Sausage pork with gummy bears? <laughs> yes, uh, I want to read this description. No, stop right there. Stop right there. <laughs> I did stop. stop right it's, there. It has to come the back. perfect foundation for all of your favorite gummy bear dishes, like meatloaf with gummy bears, or perhaps some delicious meatballs with gummy bears. We ha- we have to take a timeout. We've gone down a rabbit hole now that we can't come back from, and I apologize to everyone out there listening. When we come back. Oh, thank goodness Bill Bender's scheduled to join us from the Sporting News. Oh, my goodness. We'll talk all things college football. That's next here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though isn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, I know you love to entertain during the fall. College football Saturday, NFL Sunday. You love having the fellas over. You love having the family over. You love putting on the big shindig, right? I get it. Why not do it in style? You already know my friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite. They take care of you when it comes to those marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms. 
But did you know they can also take your man cave and your outdoor living space to another level? You can be the envy of the neighborhood. You're going to have cousins coming out of the woodwork wanting to come over to your house that you haven't talked to in years. Go visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Their website, all the great services and the products they have to offer is available right there on their website. And you know what? If you don't want to check out their website, just simply stop by their showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. It's Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Fair or foul, taking a hot dog and turning it into a straw to drink beer through, is that fair or foul? Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll update those before we sign off today on RP3 and Company. Right now, though, it's time for us to talk college football. The season actually kicks off this week with week zero slate of games to give us his thoughts on the best teams in the country, what teams could be surprises this year, and we'll also get some preseason Heisman talk in. It's the award-winning columnist reporter from the Sporting News. Our good friend Bill Bender joins us. Bill, good morning to you. Brother, college football season has arrived, my friend. How excited are you? Oh, I'm excited. Thanks so much for having me on. How are you? Doing great, bud. Before we get to the football talk, uh, would you ever use a hot dog as a straw for a beer? No. No. I mean, no. I mean, I'm – no, I love hot dogs, though. I do. I I do, too. I joke with my buddies. They – we're on the course, not to make this a long story. They always make fun of me because I don't even waste time with condiments on hot dogs. I'm like, they're fine without them, and they make – they just make fun of me about that. I couldn't compete with Chestnut, but I always tell them I could beat it just about anybody to two or three hot dogs, and then after that, you know, I'm good. <laughs> All right, bud, uh, let's start off uh, with this. Uh, the Big Ten, it's been Ohio State year in, year out. Michigan did have a great year last year, made the playoff for the first time. Uh, is it a two-horse race in the Big Ten yet again between the Wolverines and the Buckeyes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes and no. I would say they're they're definitely the two teams. I think Michigan has the best chance to knock Ohio State off. But I'm, I'm intrigued with Michigan State and Mel Tucker and that I don't think they're going to go away. Um, I'm intrigued with Penn State, a couple freshman running backs they really like. They've got a six-year starter in Sean Clifford. And then – you know, out of the West, it's on a team out of the West to prove it. You know, when you haven't, I think they've lost every Big Ten championship game since they split into East and West. So until a Big Ten West team does that, I can't really say that they're going to get in that mix. So, yeah, it's Michigan, though. I think they're going to be better than people think, especially on the offensive side. Um, there's so much focus on the quarterbacks. You forget they've got Ronnie Bell back and Andrew Anthony and couple good running backs um their defense obviously when you lose a guy like hutch it's not going to be as good but i just see them getting to columbus at 10 and 1 and ohio state will be 11 and 0 or 10 and 1 and you know they'll decide the big 10 like they usually do speaking of the big 10 some reports came out that oregon is looking into what it would take to join the big 10 uh do you believe that's a marriage that will actually happen Eventually, yeah. I mean, there's enough smoke around that, and 
you keep hearing the Big Ten wants to go to 20, and that's, you know, it makes sense. If they're going to go to 20, it definitely makes sense. It's uh, one of those deals where I think um, Washington would make sense, Stanford would make sense, Cal would make sense, and then you have kind of a Western division to what you're trying to accomplish there. So, yeah, I, I do think that the Big Ten is going to expand, and I guess the, you saw that well, the SBJ had that out this morning about the Notre Dame clauses. So, of course, they're not done flirting with the Big Ten. Um, I don't know. I make the analogy, Raymond, that I don't, the, the Notre Dame just keeps the Big Ten on the string, and I don't know how. Yeah, and, and it's been that way for what Bill and I, uh, Bill, you and I are around the same age. It feels like that's been the case for the better part of the last thirty years. Oh, my whole lifetime, and and to be like your listeners might not know this, but so I grew up in Ohio, but I've got like the vantage point of all three, right? So my dad was a Michigan fan, right, and then I grew up in Ohio. My mom's side, all Buckeye fans, and I went to a Catholic school, so I understand like the rhythm and the way that these three programs that have traditionally dominated the Midwest feel about each other. And I think I just looked this up before I came on with you. And the only two big 10 teams that Notre Dame has a losing record against all time are Ohio state and Michigan. So, I mean, the angst between the three is, I think that's part of it. Don't you that like the SEC, I guess the difference and you can probably speak to this better than me is like the SEC schools, I don't think somebody has more weight at the table than everybody else. Maybe Alabama in football, maybe Kentucky in basketball, but as institutions, they're all about the same. Am I wrong? I mean, you're right about it leans to Alabama in the last 20 years since Saban's been there for football and then before, obviously, for Bear and then Kentucky with basketball and I would say LSU for baseball, right? So it, it, right. it does lean those ways. But it, there's not a ton of angst like you're talking about. And I, look, as someone who lived in the Midwest, lived in Central Illinois for six years, and saw a lot of Big Ten football, I, I, I understand the dynamics a little bit as well. Uh, it just feels like, it, it just feels like to me, if Notre Dame wanted to be in the Big Ten, if they genuinely wanted to be there, they would be there, Bill. I, I just don't know if they actually want to be there. I feel like they look down yeah. on the Big Ten. That, that's how it yes. feels. Yes, and you're exactly right. So when I wrote that column last week, said so the Big Ten should cut the Notre Dame out of the schedule, and I, I actually went back and read a New York Times story from 1999, and everything we're talking about now, like Delaney said, we're not going to offer Notre Dame again. And Notre Dame said we want to be one of one instead of one of what well, was 12 at the time, right? And and if you lived in central Illinois, you know the joke about how they always call it the the big two and the little 10 or the big two and the, this would be a little 14 now. I, the big 10 math lesson is uh, <laughs> great for your kids, right? So uh, there's 16 teams now in the big 10. But um, yeah, you're, you're exactly right on all fronts. And my point about SEC football, though, is Alabama isn't the only, Alabama is the dominant program. I get it. They're not the only program in the SEC capable of winning a national championship. Georgia proved that. LSU's proven that. Auburn's won it in, since 2010. Um, right now in the Big Ten, Ohio State's the only program capable of winning a national title. It's a good. It's a. It's a fair point. It's a fair point to make. We're talking with Bill Bender of the Sporting News. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. 
Let me ask you about the billions of dollars in television contracts that the Big Ten has been able to lock up with multiple networks. Did you ever think you'd see a day where we'd be seeing that type of money being on the table for television rights for college football? It's wild, isn't it? It's, and it's the game's changed. It's gone corporate, and it has. And it's not the game that you and I grew up with. It's 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 not regional anymore. It's a national game with national interest and social viral interest. And, um, and, and I always couch it this way, and I know I love talking to – radio hosts like yourself in SEC country, because I, I, I can say this without offending you, is like when I grew up in the 90s up here in central Ohio, I didn't really pay attention to the SEC, right? I, I did In the 80s, like you, you maybe watched Alabama and Auburn and you maybe watched Georgia a little bit, or L, you know when LSU was good. And then but once the BCS happened, you started to pay attention to the whole country. That's correct. Alabama games mattered. LSU games mattered. Um, you, you had LSU, SEC Titans playing Big Ten teams in bowl games, and those are always the best bowl games, by the way. So I, I think that – and I would say vice versa. I don't know that SEC fans have, have really paid attention to Big Ten football before the BCS. That, I mean, look, you're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, it's just – it was very regional. And you may – look, you, you may know – you may have known about – those other programs, because maybe you caught the Ohio State-Michigan game. You know, maybe you caught Stanford Cal on television, right? Or more than likely, you read it in your newspaper, right? <laughs> right? And that's where you get it, but it was always more regional, and it just astounds me that the money is where it's at today. Uh, my question to you to pivot to the SEC, Bill, is, okay, Big Ten – they're being aggressive. They are locking up all these teams. They're locking up all these great contracts that are going to pay each school a slew of money. The SEC's locked in with ESPN, you know, for a long time. Do they try to renegotiate their deal, or and what other options do they have to try to make more money? Yeah, I mean that's that's something there. I mean the the, the network Big Ten's going to draw obviously a lot of money, and that may change the way SEC negotiates with ESPN. And they do have the SEC network, and that's a huge win for that conference. I mean, obviously, and I've obviously been on the show a few times. I mean, the Paul Feinbaum show is a huge win for that's having that anchored into your program is huge because it's the the dynamic program for SEC fans. So, um, I, I think they'll they'll definitely try to renegotiate though, and and it goes back to the last question we're asking is really what has happened in college football is. Yes, it's a regional sport, but it's being dominated by one region. And it'll be interesting to see how this Big Ten TV deals change the dynamics of that, if at all. Because I think from an interest standpoint and a viewership standpoint, the Big Ten is always going to compete with the SEC because of Michigan and and Ohio State and they're bringing in USC. That's another huge brand with huge eyeballs. Um, But – on the field, as long as the SEC is still the dominant conference, which, again, they've been since about the BCS era. It really started, I guess, with Tennessee winning the first BCS championship. So as long as that continues, I think they'll be able to leverage uh, more money in their contracts. I was asked this the other day by someone I respect. He just wanted to pose me the question. I'm going to ask it to you because you're smarter than me and you cover the sport better than I can. Any 
chance whatsoever because of the amount of money being thrown around the Big Ten now that, say, Texas or Oklahoma decides not to come to the SEC and instead decides to go to the greener pastures money-wise of the Big Ten? No, I think they're locked into the SEC, and I think the SEC is going to want them in there because it allows the conference to push a little bit further west. And maybe the conference, you know, maybe that's their next move. Maybe they add Oklahoma State. Maybe they keep working Texas because of Texas being just a football-crazy state. That's not breaking news. So I think they will. And, you know, you go back to those stories again from the early 2000s where, the Big Ten wanted Oklahoma and Texas. They did. They invited them. And it just didn't, or they at least gauged the interest, and it didn't happen. So I think Oklahoma and Texas are married to the SEC, and, and that's really going to take off when the Longhorns arrive and Arch Manning's their quarterback. That's just really going to establish them. Whether or not they win on the field, they're going to be immaterial. They're going to be an SEC brand from the second that happens. Bill, as we gear up for week zero this week, what are some of the teams across the board, coast to coast, that intrigue you the most because of their storylines or because of coaching changes or because of expectations? What what are the ones that you're really wanting to pay attention to early on this season? Um, You know, I mean, the usual. I I think USC is going to generate a lot of hype early in the year, Uh, obviously with all the skill position guys they brought in and everything that comes with that. I think LSU and Brian Kelly, um, very interesting uh, team. Very interesting because we know they always have enough four- and five-star talent to win, and can he mold that and make that happen? Um, those are the real, the big two. I, I think I'm interested in Florida in the opener with Utah because Billy Napier had such a successful track record at Louisiana, and I, I like what he does with quarterbacks. That's like the hidden thing is if he can kind of make that, get the best out of Anthony Richardson, Florida might be better than I think they're going to be. Um, So that's another one to keep in mind. I like that as well. Florida intrigues me. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens at USC. And look, I'm also intrigued on Clemson because they, you know, by their standards had a down year, even though they finished the year, what, ranked in the top 25 and had double-digit wins. It was a down year for their standard. I'm interested to see what happens with them this season if they if they're going to go back to the standard that they expect there in uh, at at Clemson. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be pretty good on defense. They've got all Americans all over that defense. Um, really comes down to the quarterback question is DJ Yongalele, a guy that we had hyped up last year. We weren't the only one though. I'll be fair, but uh, that's that's passing the buck, but. I mean, he's a five-star quarterback. He didn't play well. And if he plays better, they're going to be a playoff team. And if he doesn't play better, they may bring Cade Klupnik in to try to be a playoff team. So those things are entirely possible. And, you know, you mentioned USC, a lot of hype about them. It seems like there's a lot of hype, too, maybe surrounding the Miami Hurricanes. We've been down this road before, right, Bill, in the last, what, Mm -hmm. 15 years. When it comes to Miami – but this seems a little different to me. Am I completely off base thinking that Miami's going to be better than people expect? No, they, they're they going to be all right. I think Miami's going to be fine. I think uh, they, they have a good quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke, and they, they've they got some talent on the defensive side of the ball, and, and Mario's going to continue to recruit well. They've, they've been ahead of the game in terms of NIL. 
So if that continues, um, yeah, I mean, in a couple cycles. I, I mean, the big question is they do play Clemson um, early in the season, or not late in the season, it's in November. But the last three times they've played Clemson, it has not gone well at all. No. So you're looking to see if uh, what's going to change when they play the Tigers this year. Bill, appreciate your time as always, brother. Keep up the tremendous work. Enjoy the college football season, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Take care. It's Bill Bender from the Sporting News talking all things college football with us here on RP3 and Company. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foote in footnotes. That's next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you sick and tired of that constant pain in your knees or hips or back, especially this time of year? You need to be moving pain-free, am I right? Look, it's Raymond Parsh III here for the team at QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is helping people here every day, giving them lasting pain relief using the latest advances in regenerative medicine. The science is simple. They concentrate your body's own healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue. No drugs, no steroids, no surgery. Listen, the old remedies for pain are not the only remedies. You need to learn more about how regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics can change your life. Make this the last summer you suffer from chronic pain. They've got clinics here and all over America. This is the exciting new natural way to deal with joint pain with no side effects, no downtime. Call QC Kinetics right now for a free consultation. 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast, Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns, Chris Edwards, Northwest High football coach, and Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Final results of the poll question of the day, drinking a ballpark beer through a hot dog straw, fair or foul, 96% of you say foul. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. Up next, Kevin Foot and Footnotes. But until then... Be safe out there. Be kind to one another. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.